This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Westworld Podcast. I'm your architect, Anthony Mays, forging the entirety of this podcast with only one tool, the mistake. We've got our own Bernarnold replica, complete with Hulk button accessory, Dave Schilling, our men in black, constantly searching for the center of the maze, Jake Hoy and Tom Haverstrow, much more dangerous than she looks, and rocking futuristic gala attire, it's Eden Liu. This week, we're trading in Red Dead Redemption for Grand Theft Auto and rebooting the entire friggin' show. Season 2 came out in April 2018. This was the show that launched our TV podcast, and here we are two years later. I went through all of our notes from that time, and I listened to a couple podcasts, and so there's still a couple lingering questions that I should bring up before we dive too deep into this Season 3. One of our biggest questions was, what five control units did Dolores smuggle out of the park? We know that she took Bernard and Abernathy's control unit, which is the key to the sublime. What we don't know, Tom, is who was in your least favorite character, Charlotte's body. Yeah, it's not Charlotte. She gone. She gone. It's not Charlotte. For those who are not piecing that together, Charlotte is not real. Like, she's gone. So Charlotte is uh, <laughs> out of here. Now I'm kind of thinking, so is the man in black and now he's man in white, apparently from the trailer. Is he uh, possibly still in, in play here? Bill should still be in Westworld. We last see him in the tent recovering as right. Dolores leaves. This is three months later. So he could be out of He Westworld. could be out because now we know that uh, Bernard is able to just go back to Westworld, right? But he's not showing up at board meetings. Yes. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I watched this and I was kind of looking at it, trying to guess who those brain little balls, the marbles are. And I don't know who, who they are. I was trying to like decode what Charlotte was saying in the, in the meetings. And I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it Teddy? Teddy's in the sublime. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. so he's out of the picture. Yeah. The most fun would be if it's Ford. Ah, well, yes, that would be the most fun because then he can go to the board meetings and he can run the company. 
which is what <laughs> Charlotte is up to. So it's it's really his dream. Right. He could already be doing that. What was the line that she said right before she, sh- like whoever came back as Charlotte, you wanted to live forever. Be careful what you wish for. D- like, does that have anything to do with who it could be? I think that was her saying, you're going to live forever because now you're a host. Oh. I don't know. I mean, we know it's not Maeve. There's going to be other characters that wake up that are still in the park and they killed so many characters in the season finale last year that it's TBD for sure. But we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We'll know more next week when we see who's still at the park. Another lingering question is what's up with Bill slash Man in Black slash Man in White? I hope he's back. I like him as a character. I want him back. He's probably still in the park. There's also that whole crazy post credit sequence. And that is at a time that we don't know when he's a host. And it'll be interesting to see if we go back to this. I didn't see the post credit sequence at all. Oh, what? This, yeah. Oh. What are you doing on this podcast? I, <laughs> I was actually going to ask, did, did everyone see that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. <laughs> I guess I guess a lot is going on in the world and maybe you have other things happening. But still. <laughs> I mean the credits roll. She's you know? a nuts. Yeah, but I was see this was a case where I really wanted to see the trailer cuz usually this is the the season trailer as opposed to what's coming up in the next episode. Yeah. So I was very curious to see what that was going to illuminate for us. I and wanted was, to see the the making of feature at where Jonathan Nolan talks about how they made the bike move. I don't think I can do those anymore. Yeah, uh, you're missing out. They they had a remote control for the for the motorcycle. It was fascinating. <laughs> Is it? I think I could have imagined that. <laughs> it doesn't really it, blow it, my mind much. There was nobody. There was no person on it. There was nobody on the bike. <laughs> we used the computer. Which uh, made the bike move. It was it was cool. You guys should check that out. <laughs> All I kept wondering during those shots was, how's she wearing a skirt on that thing? I that mm. was the first thing I noticed. I was like, there's a zero percent chance that unless that skirt is, and it was too structured to be it was a super body. Super stretchy. It was super too, stretchy. But it looked Look, too we don't know what kind of materials they have. Be, that's textiles true. They have in I, so I'm not kidding. Ilya was like, we, he was texting me throughout the episode. He was like, there is no way she got on that motorcycle in that what skirt. You, and I was like, you worried about agree. chafing? You worried about no, chafing? It's just, or? There's no, like, there's no I'm coverage, about Dave. Fitting. There's fitting. no logistical right possible up, way. <laughs> Getting your legs around that thing. <laughs> yeah. You have so to, we're talking chafing here. That was also a super thick motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I wasn't buying Let's it. Let's break this down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it must be a Tom, like, it must be what Tom said. This is just some new material that we, ha- we haven't had access to yet because it was just so structured, too structured to be spandex and stretchy. She is a robot, guys. You know, uh, yeah. Also do just don't, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for me, Dave. Oh, uh, we know yeah, our can you ever watch the show? <laughs> Another lingering question is where did Dolores send the sublime? They are definitely putting that in their pocket and not going to address it for a while. Can you for a sec back up and just do a quick bio of what the sublime is? That's that's like the big ray, the the big like alternate universe. The Stargate in the sky. Yeah, Stargate in the sky, okay. Uh, heaven for the hosts. Bernard created the Sublime, which is where the host went through the door to, and that is satellite uploaded somewhere safe. Bernard went to the forge and built it at the direction of Ford, mm-hmm. and Ford created it as a way for all of the hosts 
to escape Westworld. Okay, I got that. And I'm also really excited that Pepsi still exists in 2059. Did you notice that? Did you guys catch that? No. It's still the taste the product of the new placement, generation. The product placement in this show is incredible. So just like randomly, the, did you guys see Tori Birch? Tory Burch is, I did. is still. I did see yeah. Tory Burch. Coach yeah. is yeah. still around. I did notice that. Yeah. When they were well, doing like just... a drone through the sky over Look. the skyline in the in the futuristic city, there's like a Pepsi logo at the top of one of the buildings. Well, so that could be uh, legit, yes. right? Because the... this is Singapore. No, 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 no. So that's just a building from downtown LA. Part of it takes place in downtown. Part of it takes place in Singapore. But the shot that Tom is referring to, there is a building in downtown LA that has that logo on it. And it's not Pepsi. That's uh, the Korean Air logo. I know that building very well. But anyway. I feel like I just was racist somehow. I guess you just exposed that you're a Pepsi person and not a Coke person. <laughs> I'm neither, actually. I'm LaCroix. There was another one. I feel, oh I feel God, like. Get out of here. I am wearing those uh, fratty shorts that you guys made fun of me for. Chubbies. I do think there was a few product placements in there. I guess there wasn't there a couple Range Rover, Range Rover in there. The future, future cars need, uh, I guess they're retro because 30 years ahead, they're still designed the same way. Well, but no, 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 no. He wasn't asked the if Range could, Rover. Can you know? Yeah. That was it's, a it's, throwback car. That was vintage. He was saying, yeah. can you drive a real car that dri- that actually has to be driven? True. Yeah. I laugh at that. Sort of a tangent about the product placement stuff is I feel like this episode, or I guess this whole season, I got like super Philip K. Dick vibes when I was watching it. Product placement is always super prevalent. In Minority Report, product placement was like a huge emphasis, I think, in like Blade Runner also. It's a, one of the things that seem to always pop up in Philip K. Dick interpretations. Also a big a big thing that pops up in real life. Yes, that too. But I just <laughs> I meant like it just felt very uh, no, I, part of, course, of like of the course. futuristic dystopian setting. That was absolutely that, you're that, right. that, the, that they were going for. Yeah. Absolutely. Check I was out, more saying that we Times live in Square. <laughs> yeah. We live in a dystopia, guys. Dave, let me ask you, do we believe like Ford did that humans are simple and hosts are quote unquote real? There's a lot of similarities that are being specifically seeded into this season uh, between the real human civilization and the civilization that exists in the theme park. If, if, a lot of people on the Westworld Reddit have made quite a bit of the similarities between Caleb's waking up for his days and Dolores waking up in her loop. He's on a loop. He's on a loop. Also, the, the Rico app is clearly supposed to make us see human existence as a game in the same way that Westworld is kind of gamified. That's basically that GTA, right? Si- That's yeah, basically Grand Theft Auto. Side quests, yeah. There's literally Grand Theft Auto on the screen, Tom. No, really? It's one of the choices. <laughs> I think we're supposed right. to see the similarities between humanity and the hosts and maybe that there's a certain a middle ground or, or a, you know, they're going to meet in, in their evolutions their separate evolutions into one sort of human right. host hybrid. I don't know how that would function from a, you know, a storytelling perspective, but that is sort of, I think where they're going is Caleb is this human who's stuck in a host like loop. Or is he Dave? Of yeah. course. Yes. I mean, there is a question is, is Caleb actually a host or some sort of artificial intelligence that's being manipulated by the AI, the Rehoboam AI that insight uses to control the planet. 
Yeah, and that's always the question with AI is when does it supersede humanity? And in Ford's opinion, it has. He views them as the real beings, as the important ones. And we have the whole thing in the finale last year when architect Logan says that humans are just a brief algorithm. They aren't complicated enough. They're deceptively simple. Once you know them, their behavior is quite predictable. And each human is a book in the forge that Dolores goes through. Finally, the last lingering question, which came up in the finale, if a simulation is indistinguishable from reality, does it matter if it's not the base level of reality? Dolores rejects this. This is, of course, the premise of the Matrix and perpetually relevant. And we've got a douchebag coming along in this third season to remind us of that. So let's get into it. Episode one, Parche Domine. A cold open, we've got an angry rich man named Gerald trying to move his Delos position, shouting at his assistant via hologram. Jerry's house is operated by an automated security system that looks like HAL 9000, another Kubrick reference right off the bat. And he takes a digital acid tablet to queue up a sunset for his dreams. Tom, you've got the digital acid. What are you watching at night? Is it just thousands of Steph Curry logo shots? <laughs> yes, him and Dame Lillard, and also uh, lots of DNP rests. Players that are taking their <laughs> careers very seriously, yes. Dolores hacks his system. Gerald visited the park, so she had access to his book in the Forge. Bit of an unauthorized autobiography. She says, bit of a tactical mistake, really. You want to be the dominant species, but you built your whole world with things like me. She straps Gerald into some holographic glasses and makes him relive his abusive relationship with his first wife. She takes his money and confidential files for a company named Insight. And then he swings a golf club at her, but she's a hologram and he smashes his head in the pool. Jake, cold open execution. I was back in, man. Oh, all in. Love this opening. I loved the look and feel of it. I loved the intensity of it. Perfect opening. We've got very confusing mapping interstitials, which I believe is the presentation of Rehoboam, which we'll get to later. This show looks so expensive now. I suppose it did yeah. before when it was out in the West, but something about the shiny newness, the Blade Runner yeah. element is another level. So let's start with Caleb, played by Aaron Paul, our new character. As Dave said, we see him wake up repeatedly, just like we used to see Dolores wake up. He's on a loop. He's constantly getting calls from Francis that he declines. Francis's kid, Cuddy. But then there's voiceover of their conversations, which is confusing. Caleb's job is literally to hold a wire while a robot does construction. <laughs> this was such a ridiculous metaphor for people using computers to do their jobs now. Caleb's implant is turned off. It's implied that implant is what's activated by the digital acid tab. His mother is sick and says Caleb is not her son. Dave, is he a host or is she just senile? I think it's probably that she's just senile. And, but they, this is clearly intended to make you question. 
You know, the yeah. whole show is designed to make you question what you're seeing. After the 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 kind of magic trick that was season one, and oh, did you know that these were all separate timelines? They weren't happening at the same time. Then, as a viewer, you're like, oh, I don't believe anything that I'm seeing. You expect everyone to potentially be a host, everyone uh, to potentially be in a different timeline. I'm not sure things are happening when they're supposed to be happening. Blah blah blah. So Can I you think question was- the nature of your reality. Yes, dude. Of course. Uh, yeah, but that's don't know if anyone's I think, actually dead or if they're coming back. This show would never in a million years telegraph the fact that he was a host in that way. It's too obvious. They, The right. writers know everyone is questioning everything all the time, that there is, right. is an incredibly active subreddit of people trying to piece the clues together. So by giving – the equivalent of getting slapped in the face with a dead fish as a clue, it, it makes me think, <laughs> no, he's he's actually a person. It's possible that he could be a host and there's some sort of misdirection going on, but I'm pretty sure that this is a human being we're dealing with. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it would be pretty lame if it was a host. I don't know, because the whole point of her going back into the real world is to see what hosts would do with right. human beings, right? And if it turns right. out that she's just interacting with another host the whole season, I'd be like, well, then why are we here? And I think right. also, I thought I would enjoy the real world more, but I keep getting hung up on, and, and you guys have heard it, I keep getting hung up on like, oh, is this what the world is like in 2059? Rather than like, I thought I would enjoy the host being in the real world more, but I feel like I'm just focusing on what the real world is rather than the host interactions with humans in the real world. So I'm getting distracted. I feel like, like I'm, I'm focusing on like the futuristic cars and the futuristic bird scooter that is now a motorcycle catching an Uber or a plane or whatever that thing is. I'm actually feeling myself wanting to go back to Westworld. I don't know about you guys. I feel, I feel differently. No, I'm enjoying acclimating to, it's always jarring to make a shift like this. I found it actually a little jarring to to know that we were going back to Westworld at all, because I thought we were going to solely yeah. be in their yeah. contemporary landscape. So it's going to be interesting to see how they juggle the two narratives. But I mean, it's definitely uncomfortable a bit in terms of getting used to what this is. But I mean, she said she's the last of her kind. And I'm going to take that at face value in in the space and believe that she's now going to be making connections with humans and that Caleb is human and that's going to raise the emotional stakes and 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 increase our investment in his character as the show goes along. But I hear you. I think, you know, the thing for me Tom was I was like I hope this isn't just Terminator meets Blade Runner that we're not just going to go full on action style and who can kill this, you know, revenge filled character as she makes her way through the world to get what she wants. Yeah, I'm with you. When she says she's the last of her kind, that's a lie. Well, she's also the first of her kind, Dave. She's the only one of her kind. Well, no, because there are other hosts in the real world. There's the Charlotte Hale host and there's Bernard. Right. So she's right, not the right. last of her kind. Right. It's that's BS. Right. True. True enough. And she knows Maeve still exists. But she brought them with her, I guess is more what I was thinking. 
Sure. I just think that when she says that, she's being purposefully deceptive. And she would know if Caleb was a host. Presumably. Not if he's not made by Delos, but we'll, we'll get yeah. into that later. Caleb activates Rico, Grand Theft Auto, an app form where you complete specific tasks as part of a crime network for money. Literally, one of them is Grand Theft Auto. There's also redistributive justice, creative accounting, and babysitting. <laughs> you do crimes for Rico, and they rate you and cut you out a percentage. The options are, fuck yeah, or no, I like being basic. <laughs> Caleb and Francis are ex-military. Caleb picks up a suitcase on a train. Then he meets Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch, a.k.a. Ash and Giggles, who he's worked with before. Marshawn is dripping. I was wondering if he's on a digital acid tab, something like that. And he's wearing a mood shirt with the following amused, scared, angry, bored, sad, anxious, excited, and sexy. <laughs> Dave's shirt would always be on sexy. Yes. Ash encourages doing more personals, says Caleb's stats are shitty. Ash has a device that knocks out loggers and cameras and blasts music in people's earbuds. Together, they blow up an ATM, drop cash in a robot car. Some reason giggles gets in it, and then Ash disables the siren, and they split up. Later, Caleb goes to a job interview and visits his therapist. Caleb would prefer to talk to his therapist than Francis, who is pushing a mysterious program. Caleb declines Francis's call and does a party cleanup for Rico, where he goes to a crazy underground artist party with lots of digital acid and "quote unquote" beta limbics. Eden, that's a we don't have a drug consultant for drugs that don't yeah. exist. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting though PCP and we find giggles and a naked dude tripping his face off shouting shadow people yeah <laughs> the naked dude hits giggles in the face his shirt changes to angry and Marshawn throws one of the worst fake punches in the history of television that was pretty oh bad. it was so bad yeah so bad. it was bad and, it, and here's an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that whole sequence was bad. The naked dudes, the tripping balls dude, he was, it was a bad punch too. Yeah. Something that Jake and Eden and I know is that <laughs> HBO has to get at least one male full frontal into every yeah. show. Yeah. So hopefully we've hit our quota and we can move on. Is this the same uh, venue, the same party that uh, Secession went for the, the bachelor exact party? Same. Was the exact same. The exact same. Yeah. Succession is a Westworld prequel, guys. <laughs> Caleb gets a call from DCA but doesn't get the job, realizes he's not even talking to a human, so he fires up Rico again, meets a dude in a parking lot for a package presumably full of drugs, takes a Range Rover to MacArthur Park. We learn Caleb got shot in the head. Caleb finally answers Francis's call. And when Francis offers an optimistic outlook on Caleb's belief that the game is rigged, it's revealed that Francis is dead, and Caleb is speaking to a Black Mirror-esque AI Francis, and he unsubscribes. Did that twist catch anyone off guard, or was it pretty clear? No, that was pretty obvious. It wasn't that, yeah, it wasn't yeah, that off guard. Obvious. I wasn't thinking about it, but when it did happen, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I can see that. Right. Yeah. I just wasn't, I wasn't trying to overthink it or, or outthink the show. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's... That's not surprising, but it's also not something that I was fixating on. It just felt that the way they were telling the story and he was unpacking his past and they were, you know, giving us those little glimpses of things that this, you know, clearly something traumatic had happened. And all that made sense really was that 
he had lost his buddy when they were in the service. Although those were the weirdest uniforms for servicemen I'd, I'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, semi Armani, (laughs) AX, more like AX exchange. I don't know if that's the same time. Yeah. I I think like, I think that they're supposed to be like private, soldiers at that point like uh dirty jobs yeah exactly i think there are two two separate things there was like in service on boots Uh on the ground somewhere and then there was also like oh we're out of the military and now like mercenaries so they were contractors yeah tom what do you think of caleb i don't want to be a hater on this episode i feel like i'm a hater on this episode i like caleb i think it's interesting to see someone who's trapped in the real world trying to get a job and he's putting on a suit and doing the whole interview for a job and and those trappings are, are still existing in this in this timeline but i found it to be too predictable this episode where he ends up going back to MacArthur park and then like oh and there's dolores and he's gonna hold her and it felt like a fairy tale it felt like kind of i don't know scripted uh like la stuff interesting interesting most of this episode i felt like was cool to watch and it was like oh dolores is back to being a badass and and taking people's names and, and trying to you know find this mystery but the caleb character i don't know i i don't think there was too much to be excited about other than seeing uh jesse pinkman back i i have to interject here and say I think Tom is on to something by saying it felt too obvious and too much like a fairy tale. Is it possible that all of this was supposed to come together and this is part of mm-hmm. the plan of the artificial intelligence that mm. runs this society? I like that, Dave. Or that Dolores manufactured this and that she needs Caleb for some reason that we will find out down the line. She does say she has to go see some friends in Los Angeles. Yes. Maybe there is some sort of mercenary job that he was a part of that she needs some information about. Like something in his past that has been – that we're getting pieces of right now that's going to come back to matter later in the season. We'll see. But it does feel, I think Tom is right that it did feel a little too pat and a little too obvious. But whenever Westworld does something that's obvious, it's usually because it's going to subvert that expectation or that audience fulfillment and give you something totally different. That's why I'm hopeful is that when something seems obvious, it flips it on its head. Caleb's got a great hairpiece. I, I do appreciate that. Because when I watched Breaking Bad, it was like his his hairline was pulling a Stephen A. Smith, Aaron Paul, and it was like going further and further back. And then I, I was like really appreciating his his hair in this one. Oh, interesting. It's Shatner-esque. Interesting. <laughs> I liked Aaron Paul. I think he's a good fit for this character. And I think showing us somebody in the future when there's far fewer jobs for the middle and lower class and and we got a great taste of the upper class and what they can do and what they have uh so setting up that that dynamic i think is a good idea and he he played it well you know but yeah i mean it it was a question of well how are they going to unite these two people because you knew that was coming and when they kicked him out of the scene after his part of the job was done, it begged the question of now, how are they going to bring these two together? So so why did he go back? I mean, he saw her in the plane. Well, originally, so was he, just he was bored? just was he turning like, I'm, around. I'm done with Francis and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go back. Yeah, to he, was, he was turning around and just going that way. Yeah, it was odd how he was compelled to do something unnatural. 
<laughs> you somehow programmed to do that. That's my point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're hitting on something really important about this show that maybe he's not a host, but maybe he does have some sort of hybrid human host thing going on where maybe he's like the next step in the evolution of, of existence on this planet and maybe that's where we're going who knows it's kind of some homecoming stuff jake possibly they talked a lot about the va and the program and yeah. he's clearly yep. a different type of recovering soldier now let's get into dolores's plot line there's an insane shot of what's supposed to be delos's headquarters in oakland whoever is in charlotte's body gets off a hovercraft smoking a cigarette She's the head of the board now. Since everybody else is dead, she wants to take Delos private in order to protect their assets. I'm assuming that she's just going to sell to Lara Espen. She literally mutes this guy in real life, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Another board member gestures at an empty chair. Surely that's Bill's seat, but he has a computer representative. Charlotte wants to resume host production and seems like she's trying to sell the company to Dolores. Charlotte is pinning the entire Delos disaster on Bernard. Dolores, under the alias Lara Espen, arrives at Insight headquarters in London for an event. She releases the clasp at her neck, and her dress transforms into a full-length gold one. What a move! Eden, why, though? Yeah, I feel like that's part of um, setting the scene for the world that they live in, because that was very... So many Philip K. Dick interpretations have like that sort of like the holograph, like being able to like change the appearance of like rooms and stuff via hologram, the outfit changes with a touch of a button. I feel like it was very, like you said, unnecessary, but sort of helping just set the scene for the world that we're in right now. Laura met Liam Dempsey, the Kendall Roy of Insight in Burma, and they've been dating for a month. Lara is from a small town out west, sort of off the beaten path. <laughs> Liam's friend Roderick gets drunk and high and launches into a familiar theme of simulation theory. He also calls Dolores a fuck puppet inadvertently. <laughs> How fucking ironic would it be if they had put a simulation within a simulation? That's a massive fuck you! So meta, bro. You really get it. <laughs> He's, of course, played by Rafi Gavron, the douche agent from A Star is Born, and I will hate this actor forever. I watched that movie three nights ago, Maze. Great movie. He sucks. Uh, well, it was an okay movie. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Star You're is supposed born to hate Gaga? it. Yeah. Oh, I know that movie was abysmal. Maze. <laughs> abysmal? Abysmal. That movie was fucking awful. I know we're talking about robots right now, but do you not have a heart and soul? <laughs> Oh, God. The music wasn't good, Jake? Oh, it was terrible. You talking about like her pop stuff when she turned no, into like, a pop star? No, that was supposed to be terrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Shallow still gives me chills. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. You are. A... I heard it at the grocery store the other day. You're a bitter man. Not good. Not good. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Maybe you were just I'm in a bad mood. And I'm not anti Lady Gaga by any means. I like I Lady Gaga. Give me some telephone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Take me back to some paparazzi, dude. Nice. Do not give me country Lady Gaga, dude. Yeah, 2010 no way. Lady Gaga. There's plenty of people doing that for real. Shh, 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 sh
Oh, the <laughs> worst, go the worst, the most inauthentic. Dude, they should have just gotten the guy from Nickelback to play the guy from Nickelback. Jesus you know what I'm saying? Chad, Cr- Chad Kroger? Because <laughs> that shit was I th- garbage. I thought you I thought you were about to launch into Susu Studio when you're well, doing that challenge. That's Phil Collins, dude. Yeah. I'm aware it's of not who the smirch built uh Phil Collins, okay? Yeah, do not be smirched, Phil Collins. Not even the first lead <laughs> singer of Genesis, so uh, I don't know how I feel about Phil Collins. Anyway, if you don't like in the air tonight, dude. Security guard Martin tells him their partners want to meet, and he convinces Laura to come to L.A. She says she's got friends there. Liam and Laura arrive in L.A. at Insight HQ. Incredible overhead shot of the building. We are introduced to Rehoboam, a giant blinking orb artificial intelligence system. Debs. Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon, and his kingdom was split by rebellion. Smart meatball. Yeah, it is pretty much the same thing as Devs. <laughs> Who had right? better production design? I think Devs. I actually would give it to Devs on this one. Mm. It looks lame. It's the worst part of this episode. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a big, giant, like, it's like, it looks like an elephant turd. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's not a smart what, boat. What, it's a smart meatball. With some LED lights. Yeah, why would you design your artificial intelligence to look like that and also to just be out in public? Why is it so accessible, right? Yeah, here's this big thing. You can just go fucking touch it if you want. (laughs) (laughs) What? what? Do what do like like they send like school kids out on field trips to go say hi to it? What is this? It runs the entire planet. And defines every single human being's It is destiny. the heartbeat of the world, and yeah, it's from, just out there. Yeah, yeah this, eh, it's fine. Just go, to, just go fill with it. Yeah, fill your friggin' Pepsi all over it if you want. Who cares? No drinks are allowed on the Rehoboam deck. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, that bothered me. Rehoboam has an incalculable number of thoughts slash strategies per second. My dad thought the biggest problem in the world was unrealized potential. He thought if you could chart a course for every single person, then you could make the world a better place, says Liam Kendall Roy. In other words, a loop. So Rehoboam has put all the humans on loops. And the weird map things that we saw in the trailer and we see at the beginning of when they introduced like Los Angeles or London, that seems to be Rehoboam's language. Liam goes to meet with Martel, and Dolores follows him. Dolores uses her virtual assistant to locate a sleek autonomous motorcycle and then to rent an apartment in a building that she walks into, which seemed unnecessary once again, but I guess that's how it's done. (laughs) She's also got glasses with Zoom and listening capabilities. Martel believes that someone from the inside has gained access to Rehoboam, Liam implies that Martel's mysterious employer is somehow involved with Delos, so Martel threatens to kill him. Pretty much two options for this mysterious employer. We've got Bill, old trusty Bill, or the new guy that we haven't met yet, who's played by Vincent Cassell, Ciroc. Well, Ciroc is the guy who designed Rehoboam, right? That's what uh, Martin said before he gets killed. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Rehobo Rehoboam 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 Okay Solomon's son from the Bible Rehaber Stroboam Yeah It sounds like Wubbinub which is for all the dads and moms out there know what that is Rehoboam Yeah I don't know who that is and uh, I feel like there are a few characters in this show that I'm interested in uh, finding out who that is and whether it's like a, a Ford like figure uh, will be interesting because it'll probably be whenever we find out who the big boss man is, who in, it was the architect or the father, we'll probably make comparisons to Ford. There's also that great moment where some dude comes over to hit on Dolores and she just says, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. yeah very Logan Roy. No side quests in this episode. She's now focused. The- Liam opens up to Lara about Rehoboam. Liam wishes he could turn it off, but he has no control over it. His father's partner, Sirach, has locked him out. No one knows what the system is doing, Liam says. Before Liam tells Dolores Sirach's name, Martin tasers Dolores and reveals she stole a dead girl's identity. After Martin grabs Liam's face, he says he will take care of it and hires some local talent on Rico to dose and dump Dolores. Martin's guys load Dolores up with drugs and are shocked when it has no effect. An autonomous car rolls up and a Martin doppelganger is sitting inside. Dolores goes full Terminator again and just starts fucking dudes up. Chases Martin in the Range Rover, but she got injured at some point. Dolores also remembers Martin from the park and introduces him to his replica, which she's going to use to manipulate Liam and meet with Sirach. You were free. You had no God. You tried to build one. Only that thing you built isn't God. The real gods are coming. And they're very angry. Dolores engages in a shootout and summons the autonomous bike, using it to take out the last remaining bad guy, but she's banged up. When Caleb finds her, back where he dropped off the drugs in a backlit tunnel and she collapses into his arm. So Tom, you thought this was like a fairy tale, but this reminded me so much of the damsel in distress narrative that lured so many in Westworld, including William. I feel like it was a good table setter episode, but I do feel like a lot of the narratives or the plot lines I felt like was predictable. Like when she gets into the car, uh, knew how that was going to play out when she goes in and, uh, reveals who the the shadowy figure was that was going to stun the other guy, knew who that was going to be. So, yeah, I feel like it was kind of kind of predictable. So, Jake, do you think that Dolores is the wild card going off the script of Rehoboam, or do you think that this is all part of Rehoboam's plan? It all felt staged and deliberate from the moment she went back to the tunnel and was leaning against the wall, holding her side, you know, she became that damsel in distress. Oh, and it seemed clear that she was waiting for Caleb, right, to come think he was saving her. So the question becomes, is she manipulating the code, whatever Rehoboam is doing, to get Caleb to come back? Because let's say Caleb's not an AI, but that the humans in this modern world are all being manipulated by that device because they're all plugged in. Yeah, that's that feels good to me. And also, I don't know when did she get wounded? We didn't see it, so it's very possible that that was something that she staged. Right. That because she is 
a machine designed to elicit sympathy from right. from the guests at at a theme park that she knows through her programming this is how i can get people on my side is through sympathy and being right. the victim even though she's a terminator robot the only thing we know from westworld though is that even the host can die right speaking of which can someone explain this when dolores in the opening scene says i read your book i read your autobiography I'm trying to remember in Westworld, I thought they only Mm -hmm. had data on the guests from when they were there. He was there. They all went. Yeah. So he had gone there because she had a memory of him raping her in the barn. Yeah. And I think she had a similar one of of Martin, the security guy, because she said something about knowing what he had done. I think they all end up going to the park at some point and doing bad stuff. All these rich guys have been to Westworld. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah. a billion times, I'm sure. Final plotline of the episode is the Dr. Arnold and Mr. Bernard plotline. Bernard is working at a slaughterhouse out in rural China or something, looking absolutely jacked. Dave, have you been working out the entire two-year hiatus (laughs) in anticipation of this season? Yeah, I mean, especially now that I've been stuck inside for the last week and a half. uh, I've just been just doing kettlebells and various uh, burpees. Just rip, just shred. That wine wine is low calorie. Yeah, it's it's so I could hang myself if I had to. He's using the alias Armand Delgado and living in a geodesic dome. Bernard is doing self-diagnosis and he's got a new button that flips him to a different mode. It's been 92 days since Bernard saw Dolores in the season two finale. There's our timestamp. And then... Bernard says, would you ever lie to me, Bernard? And what? <laughs> that was very, yeah, had a moment right there. What did he say? Like, of course not. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. <laughs> Wasn't it a little bit more than, no, I would never lie to you. It was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Of course not. You never. never do that. How dare you even suggest Jeffrey Wright is definitely way too talented to be doing this. <laughs> these types of scenes. Bernard gets jumped by two dudes that recognize him. He activates his Hulk button and scared Dr. Arnold is replaced by menacing Mr. Bernard, who just obliterates these guys. Don't hurt them too badly, please. Please. Bernard still wants to stop Dolores, so he reaches the coast of China and wants to go to Westworld, which I think we learned last season is off the coast of China. Then, post credit scene, Maeve wakes up in Nazi world. Pretty much all you need to say about that. Yeah. So we're back. Thought it was an okay episode. Yep. Thought it was okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm hoping for the best, you know, especially coming yeah. off last season. I still believe in Nolan and his imagination. And I feel like they have pressured themselves to write the ship. So I'm optimistic. I'm hoping this was, like I was saying earlier, just a matter of acclimation and that it will all pay off, you know? Who I liked it interested? more than everybody else. Did I you? Oh, I, I had a blast I thought, watching I, I really enjoyed watching it. I want yeah. to spend more time in the real world. I'm interested in all the sci-fi stuff that they, they, they Oh, compose. yeah. I'm sympathetic to Tom's skepticism and sure. <laughs> general nervousness, but... By the same token, I really enjoyed watching this episode. I don't know why, but I I wanted to see uh, some of the other like I was yearning for Maeve. I was yearning for Man in Black. Uh, a lot of people that I think are dead. I guess I was just expecting kind of like a reunion of sorts. And so when I was watching, I was oh. 
I don't know if I was being naive to think that I was going to get that. I don't know in retrospect if I should have wanted that because we need to introduce new characters. We need to have new storylines, new fresh things yeah, to, thing. to pursue. See, I, I was kind of comfortable getting to know who this Caleb character was going to be. And I yeah. didn't mind holding back uh, the man in black for future, you know, because he's only doing eight of the 10 episodes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Gotta rest your stars. Nobody does 10 of 10, Tom. Nobody does 10 of 10. DMP rest. Yeah, it's <laughs> load management. You gotta sit on back to back. Can't play the whole can't, season. Can't play four out of five games. Exactly. <laughs> I just enjoyed the reboot. I thought it was a good reboot. Yeah. It's a very different show now. Some of the themes have carried over, but it was essentially Dolores. And a whole slate of new characters. This would have been a great one to do the two, drop the two together. So you can almost have like the movie premiere version. And then I think Tom would have gotten what he was looking for. His man in black. Yeah. You know, we, we could have gotten a broader picture of what the season is going to envelop. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Westworld podcast. For Dave Schilling, Jake Hoy, Tom Haverstrow, and Eden Liu, I'm Anthony Mays, and we'll see you next time. I'm going to go get a Pepsi.